Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday... It's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Extra Point Taken. I'm Shiel Kapati. As always, joined by Ben Solak. The divisional round is set after the Cowboys take care of business 31-14 over the Bucks. We're going to talk about that game, then move on to some other topics. If you're a first-time listener, where have you been? We've each got three takes. That's how this works. We'll go back and forth. We don't tell each other, and then I will finish with an extra point. Obviously, some news there, Ben. Russell Gage, uh, 255 left. We don't know the details of what happened there, but uh, obviously a scary scene once again. He gets carted off the field, so hopefully he's okay. If we get any updates while we're recording this pod, we'll share them, but know that we're recording right after the game. How are you doing this evening? I'm I'm good. Never has this podcast more directly been attacked, assailed, than by Brett Maher, who did not make... Four missed extra points, just <laughs> spinning in the face of extra points. Many extra points were taken. Few were achieved in this game here, Bucks Cowboys. Um, yeah, there's you had that feeling that those missed extra points were gonna matter at some point. Thank goodness they didn't. But holy smokes, man. I was like, all right, we got a we got extra point podcast after this game. It's all been leading up to this. This is our moment. Seriously, two and a half point spread going. Like, if you would have told me this morning, hey, Brett Maher is gonna miss four extra points, and it's not going to factor into the game. I would have been like, well, what are you talking about? I thought this was going to be a close game. It was not a close game. All right. Yeah, the, uh, the total for this game, just real quick, was around like 45 and oh. a half, 46 and a half. And the game ended at 45 points. Seven touchdowns were scored in this game, and the game ended at 45 points. That's tough business, brother. <laughs> That's oh, a difficult so one. Somebody was affected. If you were impact, if you were impacted, listen, it's a it's a long playoff. You've got more games. Don't worry about it. All right, I'm going to get us started, and I'm going to take the layup here. I don't think anyone really cares about the Bucks post mortem, but you probably do. You might care. You might be sick of it about Tom Brady. They were talking about this on the broadcast. It was a similar tone to when Aaron Rodgers had his last game last 
uh, Sunday night, last game of the season, and they're talking about, is this the last time we see him walking off the field? Well, Troy Aikman said, is this the last pass we see from Tom Brady? I don't think it's the last pass we see from Tom Brady, Benjamin. I don't think he's going out like this in this kind of uh, lifeless 31-14 wild card loss to the Dallas Cowboys. I think he's going to play next year. And so my first take, you got to start firing off these takes early. I feel like we were firing these off in like week nine, but you know, we'll we'll start over. Plant the flag. Tom Brady will be starting for one of the following three teams in week one of the 2023 season. Let's see if you agree with the three I have chosen. The Las Vegas Raiders. Yep, absolutely. The New York Jets. Did I get you? Were you thinking no, I was going to say New England Patriots? Patriots. I, I, okay. You and I have talked enough that I knew you weren't going to go Patriots. And the last one, the San Francisco mm-hmm. 49ers. Those are my three teams. I think this story is going to dominate the headlines in the weeks ahead. You're probably going to be sick of it at some point. But listen, if you don't know the situation, he's a free agent. I mean, the, there, there's nothing the Bucs uh, can do here. Tom Brady in March, will be a free agent. If he wants to keep playing like any other free agent you see out there, he will get to pick his team. And so let me give you the case for those three real quick. You can tell me if you like any of them more than the others. You can tell me if you think I missed a team. Raiders, it's obvious. They need a quarterback badly. They've got very nice weapons. They've got Devontae Adams. They've got Josh McDaniels. It's an offense he knows. It's an offense that could be pretty good if he plays well. Maybe they upgrade the offensive line a little bit. On the flip side, do you want to go and play in a division with Patrick Mahomes? I don't know. I don't know what's important to Tom Brady at this point in his life. So that's the quick case for the Raiders. All right, the Jets. Jets supporting cast, sneaky good. We've been saying it all year long. They have resources to even upgrade that offensive line, upgrade that supporting cast. We don't know who the offensive coordinator is going to be as we talk right now. And New York City could be appealing to Tom Brady for family reasons. Now, would he... Do that? Would he want to do that? Would he want to be in a division where he's playing the New England Patriots twice a year? I don't know. But from a football standpoint, that's not a bad spot to be. Maybe from a personal life standpoint, that would be appealing to him. And then the last one. This one, Ben, is is if Tom Brady says, I just want to win one last Super Bowl. I'm going to get that last ring, and then I'm going to go on my way, whatever it would be, his 12th, 17th, whatever. I lost track many years ago. The San Francisco 49ers. And I know that sounds... Wild to say when you're saying the 49ers could win the Super Bowl this year. Absolutely, they could. However, we don't know how their season's going to end. They're going to play the Cowboys next week with Brock Purdy. That's his hometown team. Phenomenal supporting cast. We're seeing it as we watch Purdy. What a great position he's in with the weapons, with the coaching, with even the offensive line this year. Would the 49ers want to go that route? They got a lot of options. They got Trey Lance. They got Brock Purdy. They could do something else. We don't know. But that is the third team I had in mind. All right. I don't know what you think about this. I'm going in blind here. What what do you think about those? So two points of of clarification. It'll be one of these three teams. So percent chance you'd put it that he returns to the Bucs. Basically zero for you on that one. I mean, I, I never, you know me, I never like to say I speak in absolutes. So I would say I'll, I'll give it a one. Only a Sith or a Solak on this show deals in absolutes. Yeah. Uh, and then the one team that I very much expected to be on your list that I was surprised wasn't is the Miami Dolphins. You think that that 
He's just there. He and Steven Ross, they got they got caught and they're not going to try to go back and, and see if they can jerry rig this thing. It's not happening. You know what? That's a good one. Uh, the, the Miami Dolphins. Now, I was I was wondering if there's a spot for him to pair with Sean Payton. And I, I don't think that would be Miami. I think they would stick with Mike McDaniel. But you're right. They've got the weapons there. They don't necessarily have the offensive line, but maybe they commit to upgrade there. I don't think I like that uh, better than any of my three, but you're right. I mean, there's been some interest there before, so wouldn't rule that out. And they obviously, depending on Tua's health, uh, could be in in the market for a quarterback. Yeah, so Miami is the one that I would definitely want to get on your list. And if you made me pick between like Miami and the Jets, I would probably take the Dolphins. Uh, the reason why this is difficult, right? Like the the case you brought up for the Niners is so important, right? Like people talk about, you know, oh, like Brady's connection to San Francisco and whatever. Uh, but you, when you talked, when you brought up the Niners, you said right away, uh, if he wants to win another Super Bowl. I don't know if he does or not. Like, I really, really don't. Right. Like, uh, I, I, when I try to understand why this 45-year-old man is still playing football, I, I, I arrive at a lot of spots. I think that given the competitive that we know Brady to be and given the image-obsessed person that he is, he just cares a lot about how he's perceived and how he's remembered. I think that like career achievements are really big for Brady. I think that most passing yards, most passing completions, most passing touchdowns, like I think those things for a career are, are, are landmarks, are pillars that Brady does not want other people to be able to pass. So I really? can see Brady... You think so? You think that's a fact? Because I don't know that I agree yeah. with that. You think those are factors in why he would continue to keep playing? See, I yeah. just look at it and go like, he, he he seems to me, and this is you know psychoanalyzing a person that I don't know, but it just seems like I don't know that he has anything else that he would want to do right now. He feels like in the right situation, he can still play at a high level, even if that wasn't the case this year. But uh, I, I've never thought that those records. I mean, what else does he have to prove? Like he's, uh, I mean, he's done almost everything. But I, I don't think he has anything to prove. I do think that in a Aaron, which is going to be 17 games per season for the foreseeable future. There's probably going to be 18 games per season for, for you know, in, at, at some point upcoming. Uh, I think that Brady wants, has realized he has an opportunity to set career milestones that won't be forgotten. Like, I think that Brady wants to be a 60-year-old guy, 65-year-old guy, catting around NFL circles, joking with, you know, Patrick Mahomes the second. Like, oh, babe, if you pay, play for 25 years, maybe you'll catch my 95,000 career passing yards. Because that's where we're at, right? As a reminder, like just just passing yards right now, Tom Brady's at 89,214 right now on Pro Football Reference. I don't know if that's updated from his 350 passing yards that he had in this game, but that's where Brady's at. Next closest is Drew Brees at 8,000. 80,000, excuse me. 9,000. What a cap. 9,000 yards of difference, right? Multiple seasons worth. We do passing touchdowns over the course of your career. Brady's got 649. Next closest to Drew Brees, 571. This is just about distance at this point, right? Like if he wants to just keep on building out the 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 gap, then you can keep doing that. To which I could see him going to a team like the Raiders with McDaniels, who he knows, Devontae Adams, great receiver, and basically just saying, Josh, like I'll come play for you. We're throwing the ball 48 times a game, though. Like, you know, we're not there's none of no more of this Josh Jacobs nonsense. I'm not interested in it. I'm I'm here to throw the football around. So like, he could be. I don't in think that. so. I think that is against everything we know uh, about Tom Brady. I don't think that's going to be a driving factor for what he does. I do think you're onto something. Like I don't know that it's going to be about winning titles. I think it would be, but but maybe it's about hey, I just want to show I can still do it and enjoy the day to day, enjoy the process of it, be around people I know, people who can help. Yeah, me. you're talking about enjoy the day to day, enjoy the process. How does that sound anything like the Tom Brady we know? Tom Brady doing this for the joy of it. 
When it's tougher, he's done anything for the joy of it. No, but this was miserable. His joy doesn't come out like it does for me and you, where we're, you know, we might smile or you can see it on our face. His joy comes from the winning or the excelling or the playing well, but I don't think it comes from the records. But anyway, he, he's got a lot of things available to him in all those uh, different spots. So I, I think people are going to be sick of this story and sick of, the, sick of the speculation in the months ahead. And so we got out ahead of it. We probably don't need, you know, we probably don't need to revisit it uh, too many times until we actually get to something where uh, where we know what he's going to do. All right, what is your first point, my friend? Unless you had something else on that. If we're if, right, if we're still talking this Cowboys Buccaneers game. I think it's important now. Cowboys go to the second round. They get the San Francisco 49ers this upcoming Saturday, which is a tough ask, by the way. The, they're on a short week, which really sucks relative to the Niners who get a full week of rest. Uh, but Niners Cowboys uh, coming up. The take is very simple. Dak Prescott plays like this for the next three weeks. The Cowboys will win a Super Bowl. Holy Moses, right? I mean, that was, it's important to contextualize just how good of a performance we just saw. Uh, Dak had 0.79 EPA per dropback off of uh, RBSDM's numbers. If that's the accurate number that like, like true media will have, because the numbers aren't in just yet, that's the 11th best quarterbacking game in the playoffs since the 2000s by EPA per dropback. By success rate, he was at uh, right around 69% before we got to garbage time. That would have been seventh best uh, of any playoff game for a quarterback since 2000. That was one of the best playoff uh, quarterback performances we've seen. And Dak did it doing the same things that like Dak has been getting in trouble for over the last several weeks, right? Like he's just ripping some contested throws. He's trusting like, you know, uh, C.D. Lamb diving over the middle of the field, Michael Gallup to win in isolation, Dalton Schultz, who obviously, like, man, I forgot how much of a safety blanket Schultz would be for Prescott right back in that 2021 season. Uh, he's, he's So he's throwing the middle of the field. He's like buying the time in the pocket. He's just dropping back standard drop back and just ripping stuff up. Like this is what, this is this is the double-edged sword that Dak plays with a little bit. And you you see that like arguably career worst game that he played against Washington last week. And it's like, all right, well, what does this mean? Like Cowboys haven't been crazy good the last few weeks. Yeah. They have this real big stinker against Washington. Like, are they, are they pretenders? And it's like, no, they were, they were caught looking ahead. They were, they were caught looking ahead. Wild card round happens. And Dak walks out and shows you, this is what I can be. Uh, Dallas enter the playoffs with unfortunate injury attrition, right? It, uh, uh, injuries in the defensive secondary, right? They, they, Dorrance Armstrong got banged up in this game. They've had a couple injuries on the defensive line over the course of the season. It's frustrating stuff for a team that looked really, really strong kind of in November. But if Dak's able to erase problems like this, man, I mean, good night. Like, I, I don't think the Cowboys beat the Niners. I think the Niners and the Eagles are both a cut above the Cowboys. If Dak plays like this, nobody, nobody's stopping Dallas. So, you know, Prescott's got a lot of detractors. There was a drama during the contract dispute. There's still drama about whether or not they should have paid him and how much they paid him. You want to shut people up. I mean, just keep playing like this against against playoff defenses. You're going to be all right. He was incredible in this game. I mean, they had the first two possessions where they go three and out and you're going, oh my gosh, what, what is going to happen in this game? And then after that, four straight touchdown drives in the heart of the game. Each of them, they're going 80 yards or more. And yeah, he was on fire. He was ripping throws. The offensive line, I thought, was outstanding. I mean, when he's got time back there and he knew what was coming, I mean, you weren't fooling him with pre-snap disguise or different coverages. Aikman was talking about it all night long. He knew what was coming. He knew where to go with the football. He was accurate. He was fantastic in this game. Uh, To your point, statistically, I just brought it up, True Media 
updated just for this season, Ben. There have been 535 uh, quarterback starts that that qualified. That was the 10th best performance in the NFL out of 535 this year. Yeah. So I'm with you. It felt like it watching it. I mean, they were just picking up mm-hmm. 19 yards and it felt like nothing. You know, it felt like I'm just tossing a ball to you five feet away. If they had to care late or if the the Bucs had kept it close enough that they had to keep, you know, keep playing, the, yeah. the numbers would have been higher, right? Like his last like three or four passes were like incompletions, right? Like third down throws, they had a punt. Like, you know, things that like the numbers are just like, oh, like failed third down. That's a bad play. No, I mean... I, if you just stopped the game after the CD Lamb fourth down touchdown, I mean this 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 was a this was this was a truly elite quarterback performance. Which like people who listen to the show every week know that that adjective means a lot to me. I don't like throwing that adjective around. This like uh, you know like, like that list I brought up like Prescott's eleventh in EPA. Yeah, Brock Purdy's game against the Seahawks is fourteenth. That's right. different, right? Like we know yeah. what Brock is. We know how that works. Watching Prescott work this cow, this Buccaneers defense that had their secondary healthy, right? That was generating a pass rush, finding the reads, dropping it down, you know, uh, managing the entire game, pre-snap to post-snap, arm talent to extending to scrambling to just every like it's the full gamut with Prescott. When he's on, he does every single thing. It's it's total, complete, consummate, holistic quarterbacking. It's really cool. Yeah, the Dak conversation, as you alluded to, gets out of control. All like every quarterback conversation, like every conversation, uh, but but certainly uh, the Dak one because they're the Cowboys gets out of control. You know, if you isolate just their plays with Dak Prescott this year, they had a the sixth best offense in the NFL in the regular season. And that's counting that Week 18 game that was really one of the worst offensive performances, uh, you know, t- since he's been there. So, yeah, I listen, they have a real shot. I know it's the Cowboys, so in the back of your head, you're going, we've seen this for the, mm-hmm. you know, since 1995. They have not gotten past the next weekend, the division round. 1995, Ben, what were you doing in 1995? Were you on this earth? My older sister <laughs> was being born in January of 1995. Oh Yes, I have Since not you've been seen. Alive. How nice I have for not you. seen a Cowboys NFC Championship game in my lifetime, and brother, I'd like for that to continue. Uh, then that uh, <laughs> that that does make me happy. I was I was raised in like a, a mixed team family, right? But everybody hated the Cowboys. That's what we did, right? My dad was a Steelers fan, grew up in the eighties and nineties, hated the Cowboys. My mom was a Jets fan, had no reason to hate the Cowboys, still hated them. It was very clear what we did in our household. Uh, this upcoming game for the Cowboys, though. I like Dan Quinn's done an amazing job. He's done a tremendous job as the DC of the, of the, the Cowboys so much better than I anticipated when they hired him uh, uh, two seasons ago. I want to say it was now two off seasons ago. Just he's, he's, he's changed what he does. He's not as simple. They, they've done a good job filling the covers with players that make sense for him. Like it, it's been a good defensive turnaround for Dallas. He's got Kyle Shanahan. Kyle knows his blood. Like Kyle coached for him in Atlanta. Kyle knows his DNA, right? Like Richard Sherman told the story on Slow Newsday with Kevin Clark about how like Kyle knows this defense so well that he would just install plays the week before they played him specifically to break like named rules on this defense. Like, yeah, when we get into this set, they will say these words and it means this, and we will run that to beat it. Like it down again, down to the bones, you know, it's Dan Quinn. So Dan's got to come with something, right? I mean, Kyle will put 40 on him. If Dan's running in, you know, the, their basic stuff, especially the way the secondary is banged up this. Uh, I would like to believe in the Cowboys. I'd like to see a Cowboys run, especially like I said, if Dak plays this well. Super Bowl. Absolutely. Uh, but if Dak gives an inch, I'm not sure the defense is going to pick it back up for him. This is a tough matchup for Quinn. Yeah, it's a rematch, of course, of last year. 49ers won that game 23-17. 
But the Cowboys have, have a real shot. I mean, they they have a real shot to not only get to the NFC Championship, like you said, to get to the Super Bowl, really to win the Super Bowl. You know, they have that ceiling. Uh, I felt that way for a long time. They have played really well when Prescott's been healthy. Uh, I don't know that it's going to happen, but uh, they're four-point underdogs going to San Francisco. They've got the pass rush with Mike Parsons. They're, they've got the balanced offense. They can win in different ways. And so uh, that's going to be a, a fun game with a lot of star power in San Francisco next week, which, of course, we'll talk more about on this feed as the week continues. All right. My second take, Benjamin. We're going to move off of Cow- uh, Cowboys Bucks. We're going to move off of the teams that are still in the playoffs. And we're going to look to a team that's doing a little uh, post-mortem. The Baltimore Ravens, Benjamin, have suddenly yeah. become the most interesting offseason team in the NFL. I also have a Ravens take. This is good. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah. let, let's yeah. get into it. I mean, the last six weeks here of the Ravens season have been pretty incredible. You know, there, there's national reports that, hey, Lamar's uh, targeted to come back Christmas Eve. That obviously didn't happen. Then it's a, you know, week to week. And uh, I don't guess sources. I don't let you know that that's not the point of this. But I think we can say Lamar is a private person. You ask anybody uh, around Baltimore. He doesn't have an agent. He has a close circle. I don't think there are really signs that he or, you know, anyone close to him is like leaking stuff into the media. And so, you know, I think you can take a mini leap that uh, the Ravens expectation was that he was, you know, probably had a chance to come back. Uh, Christmas Eve. So that doesn't happen. Then we have Lamar last week tweeting out the specifics of his knee injury. John Harbaugh basically offers a no comment. No, I didn't. I didn't see that. No, yeah, yeah, you didn't. You didn't see the tweet. I mean, Harbaugh. Har, the way Harbaugh has handled this has been very interesting to me because, like, I felt for a while that he really had like Lamar's back and was like, you know, yeah, we're gonna get that contract done. That's one aspect of it, but no issues. Harbaugh could have shut down any speculation that any of this was contract related, and he has not done that, you know, and and then Lamar Jackson does not travel with the team. And so all of that happening and you're wondering, all right, Harbaugh is still not going to kind of come out and, and defend Lamar Jackson and just come out and say, listen, he's injured. Players get injured. He's not ready. We believe in him when he's ready. He'll play. He doesn't do that. And then you have players kind of sticking up for Lamar Jackson. You know, Jeff Zrebeck of The Athletic had a good rundown on this, but Marlon Humphrey coming out and saying, I don't even know if I should be saying this, but Lamar is limping around the practice facility. All right. So it sounds like by by his teammate's standard, the guy is legitimately injured. And so this all leads to the offseason here. Lamar Jackson is not under contract uh, for 2023. The Ravens can go in a number of different directions. They can Agree to a new deal with him? Maybe. Hasn't happened so far. They can use the non-exclusive franchise tag on him, which means if he signs with another team, the Ravens have the ability to match or they can let him walk and they get two first-round picks. They can do that. They can use the exclusive franchise tag, which means he can't go anywhere, but you're paying him on a one-year, $45 million deal. And so these are the different things that are in play. Uh, reports throughout the season have said Lamar is looking at the Deshaun Watson deal and saying he gets a fully guaranteed deal. I should get a fully guaranteed deal. You had Ravens owner Steve Bashotti last offseason saying, yeah, I wasn't really that pleased about the, the, the structure of that Deshaun Watson fully guaranteed deal with the Browns. So you have all these, I mean, 
balls juggling in the air. You got J.K. Dobbins popping off again. A credit to yeah. the Athletics' Jeff Zrebeck after the game saying, how am I not getting these carries in the red zone? I'm kind of sick of it. You wonder, are they going to make a move with Greg Roman? And it just feels to me like something has to give in the months ahead. I could be wrong. Cooler heads might prevail. They might just run it back next year. But at this point in time, and again, this could be some recency bias, you had one playoff win in five years with Lamar. He's missed 10 games over the past two seasons. You have this squabble over his contract. Is there some, st- you know, I think John Harbaugh is a great coach. Is there some staleness there? If you're the care, I'm going to throw this in a total, give you a complete curveball here, Ben. If you're the Carolina Panthers, do you call Steve Bishotti and say, just in case you're thinking of moving on, you know, coach trades, not everybody does them, but John Harbaugh is a guy who we might be interested in. Like all these things. I know I'm rambling here, but there's so many things going on with that franchise, which for years felt like just a stable, you know, you know what you're getting with the Ravens. You know what you're getting when you walk into that building, when you walk into that stadium, when you face them. And now all of a sudden it feels like chaos has kind of taken over here in the final six weeks. So I think they are going to be, uh, you know, maybe the story when you look at one team uh, of the NFL in the months ahead. So you can either respond to that or just get hit, hit me with what your take is. on. I'll the respond to that because my, my take is kind of a, an extension. It's a divergence. But also what I, what I, the first thing that comes to mind is this, you ever, uh, you ever have like a piece that you're struggling to write? You don't know exactly what you're going to write. And so you just like procrastinate on it. And you're like, I'll be able every to like, piece. Do this. I would yeah, describe every right. piece like that. Yeah. And you know, you're like, all right, well, like this, like, you know, Tuesday afternoon, like I'm not doing anything from like noon to six. So I'll just like sit down and I'll write it then. And then when you get to Tuesday at noon, it turns out that your wife calls you and she needs you to run this errand because she forgot something. And then your mom calls you and she needs to talk to you about this going on with the family and everything. And all of a sudden, Tuesday afternoon wasn't as neat and as tidy and as free as we thought Tuesday afternoon was going to be. That's extending a first round quarterback. That's extending a franchise quarterback right there. The moment he hits year three, if he's the guy, blank check. What do you want? And oh, if he's, if he's, holding you a little bit, right? If he's, if he's holding you up and he's Lamar with no agent, he's saying, this is what I want. I want all these guarantees and this, everything. Tough luck, buttercup. Sign him. Because th- this is the exact outcome that you want to avoid. The outcome, and, and, and let's, let's also like circle exactly what happened here too in terms of, of like the football of things. When Lamar was on the field, this team was a top five offense by DVOA. They did this after trading Marquise Brown away and then having first round wide receiver Rashad Bateman getting hurt. Like the plan didn't work in terms of like making the change at receiver and they were still a top five offense by DVA when Lamar was on the field. Lamar was saving this team, right? Like Orlando Brown, like trade Orlando Brown away and there's a guy that got veterans in there and totally fine, right? Like it's just the offense was working because of Lamar more evidently than the offense had ever worked because of Lamar and the offense has always worked because of Lamar. It's like, Football-wise, that's what was going on. And then defensively, they were a good defense under Wink Martindale for years. And then this Joe Burrow cat came in the division, and they couldn't blitz him. They if, if they, they kept trying to blitz him, and they kept losing to him. He was ripping it up. They made a change of defensive coordinator, got Mike McDonald into the building, not for the sole purpose of beating the Bengals, but because they needed a guy who could bring them into the next kind of you know step of defensive football such that they could handle the Bengals. And they've gotten good defensive performance against the Bengals. They, they, that defense beat the Bengals on, on Sunday night. They absolutely did. They gave up a score out of the, the pregame locker room, out of the halftime locker room, off of a turnover. That's all they gave up defensively, right? And then the Bengals scored seven on a 98-yard fumble return. They, they, the football of it all 
was so nicely set up. And they even like endured the stupid like wide receiver injury. They endured what could have been crippling for the offense. They had it. This they, The dominoes that Harbaugh lined up were there. And then Lamar gets a knee sprain. And the Roquan trade, I didn't even bring up the Roquan trade. The Roquan trade like saved the defense. It was like the final piece, like brought everything together. And then Lamar gets the knee injury. And not only does it tank your season, because it tanked your season, you're now in the weirdest place with Lamar. Like, like I, I don't know, grade, nearly a grade three PCL strain, minor tear, yada, yada. I don't know how tendons and ligaments work. I will never claim to. But what I do know is that for as hard line as Lamar might have been about his demands for his contract previously, he's got every reason to be 10 times harder now. And, and he's going to be negotiating against a pissed front office and a pissed general manager and a pissed Ravens brass because why wouldn't you be pissed? You had it. You had it in hand. And Lamar didn't play in the Bengals game because he couldn't. And that sucks. That really totally sucks. And it's and, and because of the Watson contract, because of the nature of, of quarterback land, uh, 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 contracts changing and the landscape changing, it's going to be a worse deal than you could have signed a year ago. And that's why you just sign the guy. You just do it. It's the most important From thing. From a Ravens perspective. Yes, from a Ravens perspective, yeah. just just check it off the list. If you have to sign him to the biggest quarterback contract in the league at the time, you have to. You're going to look dumb for six weeks, and then somebody else is going to sign a bigger deal, man. You just got, you have to do it. You have to do it. So now, so now what? I mean, they didn't do it. So you explained why they, was that your take, that they should have yeah. done it earlier? or you? My were just- take <laughs> is about the offense's, the five offenses in the league I'd like to see Lamar Jackson play in in 2023. None of which oh. are on the Baltimore Ravens. I'll, I'll say this. So let, let's let's talk uh, future options. Just franchise tag him. Okay. Uh, when Lamar Jackson shows up at the training camp and practices on the franchise tag, I'll fly. I'll eat my hat if that happens. If, if we see 2023 Lamar Jackson in August just warming up with the boys on the tag, I'd be stunned. With the way this has gone, it'd be shocking to me. You can non-exclusive tag him, and then other teams have the ability to negotiate with him, and you get two first-round picks if they sign him to a bigger contract. But Lamar's worth more than two first-round picks on the open market, in my opinion. I think you'd get more for that if you had him on a big deal and you traded him. So I don't even think the non-exclusive like gives you the out that you're looking for. So I think if they tag him, I think Lamar holds in. And I think that this thing gets gnarly, right, in, in that regard. I would like I would sign him to the major extension. I would sign him to the Deshaun Watson deal. And you got to you got to take your medicine. You should have signed him to a deal previously. You didn't do it, and now you got you have to sign him to a bigger contract. I think you do that. You do it, and you also have to hope he comes fully back from what seems to be a pretty major knee injury too. Now, so you're you're inviting uncertainty there because of, of the of the banged up. But I think you have to sign him to the deal. And I think the fact that he's got insane leverage over Baltimore Ravens contract books right now is just, that's the fact of the matter. It's what happened. He was running the offense. He got hurt and the offense stopped. Sign him to a deal. Yeah, if you look at it, you know, I I was just looking up the numbers here quickly as you were uh, speaking there. And if you look at it with Lamar Jackson over the last two years, they've had the uh, 10th best offense in terms of EPA per play on the snaps without Lamar Jackson on the field, they have mm-hmm. had the 30th, it would translate to the 30th best offense in terms of EPA per play. So uh, it is, right. you know, it, it's funny because he will get ripped about, hey, you know, he doesn't have a, have an agent. And if he had an agent, he'd be uh, fine. Like kind of what you're saying is going to be fascinating here because, yeah, he probably does have the leverage. Now, in terms of the franchise tag, you can say you're not going to play on it. 
at some point, like you don't have a lot, like what are your options? If you don't sign the franchise tag, you're sitting there, you're going to sit out, sit out the season. You're not going to get any uh, game checks. And so that is a, a step that most players are not willing to take. That's sort of the reason for the franchise tag. It takes that leverage away from the players. But at that point, if you're the Ravens, are you going to let it get to that situation with your franchise right. quarterback in a season where next year I would expect they would think that, hey, we can be competitive uh, this year? I mean, what are you really doing there if that's your course of action? Listen, it's it, and it's tough. It's tough to get no game checks. Absolutely, I agree with you. And like, you know, I, I don't know how Lamar wants to handle that and handle his money. And, you know, it's all that situation. You know what else is tough? Putting Tyler Huntley back out there and watching all that money you pay to Mark Andrews translate to no wins. All that money that you pay into Marlon Humphrey translate to no wins. To Tyus Bowser, to Roquan Smith translate to no wins, right? Because, I mean, this this the AFC is too good. You cannot play Huntley. Like, even if, like, they go get Jacoby Brissett, this team cannot put a Jacoby Brissett out there and win enough games to, to be not embarrassing while Lamar is not playing for them. Lamar is so integral to the offense. Like, what does Greg Roman do? Call first and goal from the two t- fullback flats to Patrick Ricard. Run two minute drills so they don't take timeouts. Like, I don't... It, there, nobody elevates. They're like... Even Andrews, for as good of a tight end as he is, like, he like, has his drops. He, he, like, you know, he's got like warts to his game like this this offense it, it, it was it's so apparent this year they scored more than two touchdowns for the first time since Lamar got hurt against the Bengals like this is it, the offense needs Lamar that like he has better hold in leverage better hold in potential than a lot of players do because it's going to be so ugly without him. and on the other hand it's also not like I, I'm not convinced basically that he he wouldn't sign it because if the plan is to go the Kirk Cousins route and say, all right, you're not giving me what I want. Like you, you can take the tag, and that's forty-five million dollars next year. Like that's not nothing. And then they can tag you one more time. And then guess what? You can hit free agency at an unprecedented age for a league MVP that the NFL has literally never seen a, a player with an MVP under their belt hitting free agency in their late 20s. So that could be the other option for him. I mean, you're pocketing close to $100 million over the next two years and then hitting free agency if you don't get what you want. But all right, I want to hear what you say. So let's operate under the assumption the Ravens tag him, but he says, all right, you know, this is a tag and trade situation. This has run its course here. The Ravens go in a different direction at quarterback and the teams that call the Ravens are or the teams you want to see called the Ravens are. The context for the take is this. We're we're this is apropos of nothing. This is dreaming. This is, you know, I'm gonna be laying in bed at 1:30 after this podcast thinking about cool things that might happen this NFL offseason. I'm like, you know, it'd be crazy if Lamar went to blank. Like that's just where we are. We okay. you and I have talked a lot about Lamar on this pod. Everybody knows I'm the resident Lamar stand on this podcast. So the offenses in which I would like to see Lamar Jackson played ranked from five to one in order to qualify for this you have to like be generally decently potentially likely to want to get a franchise quarterback a veteran franchise quarterback okay that's what i was gonna ask all right like houston is not on this list despite the fact like houston would be like we will do anything for lamar jackson to come here right this is kind of like more fun than that 
Uh, five is Vegas. Vegas doesn't make a ton of sense. Uh, it'd be fun to watch him play with Devontae, be the best receiver you played with. Uh, but like the passing game is not like the passing games that he's super used to. They do like the crossing stuff. They do like the full field stuff. He did some of that at Louisville. I don't want to see Josh McDaniels yeah. kicking f- field goals right. on third and one with Lamar Jackson. With Lamar Jackson. But like if they re-sign Josh Jacobs, that's a really cool running game, whatever. Four is the Jets. The Jets could be sick, right? Because they have great like oh. space and isolation players, right? So you get Garrett Wilson involved. You get Corey Davis involved, right? You get Elijah Moore and you start to really like operate with speed and 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 stress in space. Part of this conversation is going to be like a referendum on the Greg Roman offense, kind of what Lamar's offense has been over the course of his career. One of the issues with the, the Roman offense in Baltimore is that they go heavy and condensed to run, which doesn't maximize a player like Jackson. By pulling people into the box, you're not creating space for Lamar to really like thrive. What you want to do is you want to spread. Right. And L- Lamar inherently is going to be better in a system where you're pulling guys out of the box and you're making such that if Lamar makes one guy miss, there's room to operate as opposed to all these extra tight ends, these extra fullbacks. So with the Jets, you would see like a spread team. We don't really know who the Jets OC is going to be, but with their wide receiver talent, you spread the field out. You get Garrett Wilson, and Elijah Moore, like one on one matchups. That feels great. And then when Lamar keeps it, he's more dangerous. So Jets are at four. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. So this is what I was going to ask you because Greg Roman gets killed. Uh, I, un- I understand it. So the Jets, they don't have an offensive coordinator. And I'm putting you on the spot here, so maybe you haven't thought about this. You want to get back to me? That's fine. But Robert Sala calls you up. He says, ah, Ben, you know, I love extra point taking you and Sheila. Yeah, I I've been listening to it uh, every week this season. You know what? I kind of liked your uh, Lamar idea. We're going to make some calls to the Ravens, but I want to make sure I get the right OC. I don't want people to be ripping me for like my Greg Roman hire three years from now that I'm not maximizing Lamar Jackson. It doesn't have to be an OC. It can be an OC. What type? But, you know, you just mentioned kind of what type of scheme. But are there people uh, out there? It could be people who already have jobs or whatever that you would say, I want to see Lamar Jackson play for uh, Coach X if he's on a team like the New York Jets. I want somebody who has experience coaching and working with mobile quarterbacks, right? So that's number one. So you look at somebody who's on like the Eagles coaching staff in terms of like like Brian Johnson, who's their quarterbacks coach, who's previously a college guy in Florida. I think that he makes sense. Uh, Joe Brady hasn't done too much with mobile quarterbacks, but like they used Burrow in like the RPO game and sometimes in the run game when he was in LSU. He's another guy who's got college background. I think that you can bring him up and that's interesting. I have a question. If the, if the Jets traded for Lamar Jackson and hired Jeff Stoutland, Eagles offensive line coach, to be their offensive coordinator, would you officially become a Jets fan with your mom? Your mom, right? Not a Jets fan, but I'd be be pretty stinking close. (laughs) I'll tell you that. Um, I also think that somebody that could be good for Lamar is somebody from the Rams' Shanahan coaching tree. And here's why. The, The number one most misunderstood thing about Lamar as a player is that he's extremely good throwing to the middle of the field. Right? Like, the grown-up area, he's awesome. Since 2018, throws between the hashes, 5 to 20 yards down the field, he's 7th in the league in EPA per play. It's like Rodgers, Burrow, Breeze, Stafford, Lamar, with like Ryan Tannehill and Jimmy Garoppolo in there because of the offenses that they play in, right? Like this is, like, he's a grown-up. Like, it, there was always this theory that like, he couldn't process, and, like he doesn't know how to like make mature throws. And like all over like the Louisville film, he's just like layering throws over linebackers. It's where he's yeah. best. He's not as good outside of the numbers. And that's what Roman would like ask him to do, like throw these nine balls, throw these outbreakers. Throwing middle of the field is really nice for him. So uh, third, I have Detroit. And like Detroit's full-throated support for Goff. I understand it. I get it 100%. However, if a Lamar becomes available, you have to reassess. And then do we really want to go this route or maybe we go a different route. And I think that like 
that offense that works that middle of the field with play action, I think would benefit Lamar greatly. Number two. Now, hold on. Now, that would be yeah. fun. That that got yeah. me a little tingle. That got me a little excited. With that line? Uh, yeah. Lamar, the line is there. You already have the weapons. Uh, Jameson. You, know, you can even Amara. add to the weapons. With Dan Campbell, they want to run the run the football. He's going to be able to run the football. Division up for grabs. You're going to the NFC. NFC needs some of this quarterback talent. Move some of these guys to the NFC. We're, we're, we're uh, all NFC for the next couple picks. That was that was that was a thought team out. with the resource. A team that knows it probably wants to take a big swing here at some point. As we've talked about again, Lions fans, don't get mad. Golf played well. We're talking about future uh, several years, sustained success. So I like that one. All right. Yeah. We got two and one. Detroit is extremely fun. It gets funner. Uh, the Giants are at two. And like, again, like, I, I, what are the Giants going to do with Daniel Jones? I do and I don't know. But holy smokes, man. If you think the Daniel Jones rushing quarterback experience has been good with how well Brian Dable has called that up with how well he creates scrambling opportunities for his quarterbacks, like it's a coached thing. You can tell that they work on it. When to scramble, how to scramble, how to find the space. Yeah. Uh, Lamar Jackson with the Giants is a ton of fun obviously they need to get better at wide receiver right you don't want to just stick lamar from one bad wide receiver room to another bad wide receiver room you get wandale robinson healthy yeah you know get a good free agent in the building <laughs> resign saquon get saquon and lamar in the same backfield that would that's be a tall order baby i think with, with with how well dable's been at, at coaching up these these mobile quarterbacks i think he him with lamar would be so much fun okay and number one number one to me, by like a mile. Oh. Is the Atlanta Falcons. Lamar with Atlanta. Firstly, just like the vibes would be great. Like Vic yeah. number, like part two. Just yeah. that experience would be incredible. That's number one. Number two, the, the, the work that Arthur Smith does in terms of opening that middle of the field, finding creative ways to run the football, changing guys in the backfield, creating interesting running lanes. Like Arthur Smith's one of the great run game designers in the league right now, period. That and, and he has such like a smash mouth mentality to him, but it's modern. It still like uses spread ideas. They get guys moving horizontally. They get speed on the field. They get the ball to speed easily. Like it just it fits so well with Lamar, and then he throws so well to the areas of the field that they rely on, where they hit their play action passes, and the weapons are already there. Kyle Pitts and Drake London just sitting waiting for some good quarterback to cash in on what they could be with the potential is for two top ten picks. Catch radius guys. Lamar loves to trust catch radius dudes. It just everything just. Just fits. Lamar in Atlanta would be perfect. And the Falcons, you know, the Falcons have the eighth overall pick here uh, in the draft. They've they've got yeah. some stuff they could give up. They've got to get a, you know, whether they like Desmond Ritter or not. I, I, yeah, I think that is a great number one. You mentioned it. The Falcons third in uh, rushing DVOA this year. First was the Eagles with Jalen Hurts. Second was the Ravens with Lamar Jackson. And then third was the Atlanta Falcons. So uh, I like the Falcons. So the Falcons giving up uh, number eight and probably multiple other high picks in the years ahead. But it's uh, I can see it. I can picture it in my head. Uh, him playing in Atlanta, him playing indoors. Like you mentioned, they have some very young weapons there. Uh, the run game has been very good there. Line is good. Resign Caleb McGarry. We're good. Right. We're, 
We're we're cooking. We don't need defense. Don't worry about no DNP. Okay. Don't worry about none of this depth chart. We're just scoring forty every every week. We're chilling. The two I liked best there from you were the Falcons and the Lions. Were the yeah. were the two that got me uh, excited. There, we'll see. Again, maybe so, so. So Barnwell asked me this on the scramble last week. He said, "What percentage would you give that Lamar and Harbaugh are both like on the sideline for the Ravens?" in week one of the 2023 season. I'm curious to hear what you say to this. Does on the sideline imply Lamar's playing? And Lamar's play. Lamar is the starting quarterback. John Harbaugh is the head okay. coach. Baltimore Ravens, week one, 2023. 42%. What? That's under 50%? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I am This shocked. is bad. This wow. is very bad. Okay. This is very, very bad. I had it at 80, and I might go a little bit lower than that now because, like, the weekend, I'm just watching that going, this yeah, feels like... Yeah, you guys talked before this game. You guys talked before yeah. Lamar's not on the sideline for the wild card game. You guys talked before J.K. Dobbins like, well, if Lamar played, we would have won. Like, yeah, stuff's going down, man. I'm not going that far. I think I still have the most likely scenario is that cooler heads prevail. They figure something out. And they stick to it. I mean, they've been they they've kind of gone through stuff together. Maybe they make an OC change. I don't know, uh, but I think that's more likely. But man, I, I think it wouldn't shock me as much as it would have if you would have told me this six weeks ago. I would have said, "No way, they'll figure something out. It's all good." But the way this season has ended, they are a very interesting team. That was fun. That you know, we're in the playoffs. I feel like that hasn't happened a lot where we both have a take on the same team, like fewer than five times all season, right? You had to do the Ravens yeah. off this week, man. Come on. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily, yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Take number three, I teased this one uh, last week. Since then, 
Derek Carr said his goodbyes to the Raiders fans. His agent came out uh, and kind of speculated on what his future might be. My take is no team should get suckered into a Derek Carr trade. And this is not a, hey, listen, I'm not ripping Derek Carr. That's not what this is about. This is about the circumstances of what's going on with Derek Carr, what the most likely scenarios are. So one of my rules for the offseason, Benjamin, don't overpay for competency at quarterback. You're going to be mm-hmm. sick of hearing me say this in the months ahead. It's also, you know, the uh, the addendum to that is just don't fall in love, NFL teams, in the offseason. Don't fall in love. That applies to the draft, coaches, free agency. Wow. What, what a dreary <laughs> way of putting that. Don't fall in love. So don't overpay for competency at quarterback. So here's the situation with Derek Carks. I'm not sure uh, everybody understands it. He is due $38.8 million per year over the next three seasons. He has a no-trade clause. And so why would he waive that no-trade clause? His only motivation would be if he thinks that a team is trading for his current contract and he thinks, hey, if I'm a free agent, I'm not going to get as much money as a free agent. And so I want to stay on this current contract. And so I will accept the trade. I don't think he's going to be motivated to do that because think about what you're doing there. You're limiting where you can go. It has to be a team willing to trade for you, a team willing to give up the compensation, uh, all those things. You're making that team worse. They have to give up you know, draft pick compensation that could be an offensive lineman that puts you in position to succeed or a wide receiver that puts you in position to succeed. So I think it's unlikely, given the leverage that he has, that he waives that no trade clause unless it's just like the perfect ideal situation. And so if he doesn't do that, he's a free agent or he I think he will be a free agent. The Raiders will release him within three days of the Super Bowl. That's the other big thing here. If he's on their roster three days after the Super Bowl, over $40 million of his contract yeah. becomes guaranteed over the next two years. I don't think the Raiders are going to do that. I wrote a piece about Derek Carr after the Stidham news, and it wasn't yet like clear at the time. Like when I wrote it, I thought it was injury. Like it at that, it was going to guarantee for injury if they hit that moment. That's why they were benching him. Yeah. Then Rap came out like last week, like after Carr sent out the tweet, and was like, "Yeah, no, that day after the Super Bowl, like that money is guaranteed if they hit that day." Which, like, yeah, yeah. They, they have to cut Carr. You cannot fall into that 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 contract Correct. trap. Yeah. Yeah, you're not taking that risk and guaranteeing it and then saying we'll trade him down the line. So be patient. If you are a team like the New York Jets or whoever else that wants a shot at Derek Carr, do not get suckered into a trade here. Do not give up draft capital for the right to pay $38 million per year for Derek Carr. If another team wants to do that, that's fine. Chill out. There will be other options at quarterback. But I think the most likely scenario is the Raiders release him. And remember, he gets released three days after the Super Bowl. He doesn't have to wait like a Tom Brady does for free agency. I mean, he can go on his free agency tour right after that. If you're a team looking for a quarterback, you can have this wrapped up by the end of February before free agency even opens and start addressing the other uh, the other areas of your roster. So I think there's going to be a market for him. I think teams will look at him as a viable, uh, competent veteran who can succeed in the right situation with a good offensive line, with good weapons, good intangibles, work ethic, leadership, all those things. But do not get suckered into trading for him because I don't think you're going to need to. Just be patient. Do you agree or disagree? I would... Do my homework on where Carr wants to go. Talk with his agent. 
I'll do my homework with the Raiders and see, you know, are they are they like interested in doing business, interested in being like a part of this and like, you know, giving Derek Carr the trade that he wants. I'm sure they will be because they get something back for him. Uh, I don't think it's important to note that the Raiders don't get comp picks for Carr because they're going to have to cut him. You only get contracts for a player if their contract expires naturally, it terminates. Uh, and so they don't get contracts. So they'll they'll take pretty much anything back. So I'm going to do my homework and then I'm going to poke around and see what other teams are looking around car and sitting around car and are not. And if I feel like I, I can secure car for like a late round pick, which I don't think is out of the question that like somebody trades like a fourth for him, I'm happy doing that. Other than that, yeah, you let him get to the free agency. So if we get to a spot where like Washington and the Jets are the only two teams interested in him and the Jets are just like, hey, like we'll send you a 2025 fourth. I won't, that won't bother me. If a team trades any more than that for the car contract, they're out of their minds. Because I don't think like even with 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 the fact that it's mostly base salary that's left on his deal and you could get some of those figures down by guaranteeing him some money. I don't think he'll demand much more in the free agent market than his contract would look in a restructure. I don't think the difference in money is enough, such that I feel like I really want to trade for this existing Derek Carr deal. Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. Yeah, so when you compare like the compensation, this isn't going to be like, you know, you look at, well, hey, how could he get less than Carson Wentz? It's just a different situation because he has that no trade clause because of when the guarantees kick in. It's a different right. situation from some of the other Would quarterback the trades you have to look team- at. Be responsible for the forty million in guarantees. Yeah, if he plays under the current contract, now there could obviously be a restructure there. Right, because he has to be traded after the new league year, March March fifteenth, whatever the heck it is. Yeah, so if he's traded, then the team would be on the hook so, for yeah. that. So I I wouldn't. Expect you don't you that. don't want to make that trade. So you won't have to get stuck with those with the guaranteed money because then you're, then you're committed yeah. to car for two years. It'll be interesting to see what kind of contract uh, he gets if he is released and what his market is. All right, hit us with your third take. What do you got? Weirdly off-season-y. For for right off of Wild Card Weekend, you and I are like the Lamar future. We're burning all the good stuff. we got to hold this for a month. we got a week's worth of podcasts to do on this feed, Ben. We'll get to the games. Don't worry. Yeah, true. I, yeah, I was on the Sunday show. We talked about all the, uh, all the, all the Sunday yeah. games. Uh, okay, I'm going to do what you don't like it when I do this. I'm going to put my Rob Lowe NFL hat on. And root root for the league overall. Oh <laughs> and then, gosh, yeah. here we go. Propaganda begins. Um, <laughs> the third and final take is this: Super Wildcard Weekend is good. I'm into it. I like it. This is the bomb. This is cool. We've had three seasons now of six total wildcard games. The 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 titular Super Wildcard Weekend. Now the seventh team has been introduced to both conferences, and only the first seed gets the first round by changing the playoff structure that have been around for a while. There was a concern that introducing seventh seeds was going to result in like totally non-interesting games, right? There was this thought like, all right, like, you know, we're going to get just a team that doesn't belong and they're going to get deleted by the second seed. How uninteresting, how unexciting. And there have been moments of that, right? Last year, the seventh seed Eagles played the second seed Buccaneers. The game ended 31-15. wasn't as competitive as, as even that looks, right? Uh, there was a, a 42-21 to 21 win Chiefs over the Steelers, seven seed versus a two seed. You know, Mitchell Trubisky played as a seven seed on Nickelodeon. I'm not here to tell you it's been perfect. But as a reminder, the fourth seed Tom Brady Buccaneers just got deleted by the Cowboys. Like, there's a way that bad teams make it to the playoffs that's not just the seven seed. We've also gone from the seven seed to pretty good games. Like, even for the massive uh, uh, point differential that we, we saw ended up Seahawks-Niners, Seahawks-Niners was good and close for a while. And then the other seven-two seed game was an incredible game. Dolphins on the third-string quarterback, Skylar Thompson, going toe-to-toe with the Bills. 
divisional rematch. Like those those seven seed games have not been any more or less reliable, more or less competitive than previous wildcard round weekend games we've seen. So now we get the extra week of uh, the, the extra two games of football, which is great. The other part of it that's great is I I like having this this last like hurrah from Monday Night Football. I know people complain they want three Saturday games and three Sunday games. I get that. I think that would be good too. But the fact that I get to do wildcard weekend and just sit my tuchus on the couch for pretty much all of Saturday, all of Sunday, and then still get to do the Monday night thing and enjoy like one final last ESPN broadcast for Monday night and like the music and this, that and everything. Oh, to me, that's great. I, I love it. I think, I think it's worked extremely well. So I, I enjoy super wildcard weekend. I'm glad we have all this going on and uh, we don't have a, a ton of data just yet on like how well this treats first seed teams, but it, it's still as the NFL, uh, uh, first intended it did change the competitiveness of the bye week ask the afc they know they had a whole series of meetings about it when they had to figure out how that one number one team is going to be decided so i think i think super wildcard weekend's been a, a huge success and i i i sit here having watched generally like five and a quarter games of really good football over the course of this weekend so a ton of fun Every once in a while, Roger just breaks into your home. He threatens you. <laughs> he says, listen, I know there's a big audience for this podcast. Here's what I need you to say uh, this week. Here's it. Like you said, here, here's the Rob Blow hat. It's hard to find these online. They're sold out. I'll hook you up with one of these if you just get my messaging out there. I actually don't have a big issue with this one. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't like my only concern, like if the Dolphins won that game, that would have sucked. I mean, I don't need to see Skylar Thompson in the divisional round, but other times it could be very good. Like if the Lions got in this year, uh, that would have been very fun. They could have been a dangerous team in the NFC. Right. And I think if we, I think if Skylar had won, there's a good chance we would have seen two of the following week, right? And I just think I don't know. Like Maybe. to me, and like yes, I agree. But also, if they won, it means they beat the Bills. Like that's they won. Sick. Yeah, they that's won. Cool, they right? You know what I mean? As it as it stands, matchups wise, like. Division round games are good. Jags Chiefs, I think, is going to be a little like older brother, younger brother, noogie potential. But this, I think the Jags can hang. We'll talk about the what Jags. What a perfect week. segue, Benjamin, yeah. to I my extra take. point oh. taken. Little brother, my, my extra point, let's put some respect on Doug Peterson's name. I mean, everyone during the, and I don't have to tell you this, but during the weekend, it's like people were discovering Doug Peterson like he was a first-time head coach. Can I tell you this? Doug Peterson has been a underdog in the playoffs six times. His teams are five and one straight up as underdogs in the playoffs. Do you know how ridiculous that is? And so this speak, you know, I want to talk about Peterson not only to give him props for the way he coached that game on Saturday night against the Chargers, but to also speak about the luck involved in head coach hiring. And so if you're somebody listening and your team is looking for a head coach and you have strong feelings about one or the other, if you look at headlines, Ben, from this time last year, you will find some that point to how the Denver Broncos, quote unquote, quote, scooped up Nathaniel Hackett before he could have a second interview with the Jacksonville Jaguars. That is yeah. well reported all over the place. The Jaguars had to pivot. There were nine head coach openings. There weren't many. I think I think it was the Jaguars and the Saints were the only two that even took a look at Doug Peterson. The Jaguars settle on Doug Peterson after they can't get Nathaniel Hackett. And now we're one year in, and all Peterson does is he wins the division. He wins 
more than six games. They had won more than six games one time in the previous 10 seasons. I mean, think about that. One time in the previous 10 seasons, they win the division the first time with Peterson. He gives you a memorable playoff game. I mean, I thought he called one of the great timeouts in recent NFL history. I felt feel like it kind of went under the radar. Fourth and one, they're lining up. He doesn't like the look. He gets the timeout. They come back. They line up in the QB sneak formation. You had the great video on it. Check out Ben's Twitter about how they flip it to Travis Etienne. 25 yards. ETN stays in bounds. It sets up yeah. the game. I may or may not goal. have called that a touchdown multiple times in the video. I was like, this game-winning touchdown by ETN. I said it like three times, but whatever. Yeah, it felt like that's what was happening. It was a game-winning uh, play. The Bosa penalty, Peterson doesn't hesitate. He goes for two instead of one. I mean, that's one of those that if it fails, he's probably getting crushed for because it's 30 to 26 at the time. And if you don't get that, you're saying, oh my gosh, they could have uh, you know, kicked the field goal to tie it. And now they don't have that available to him, but he's aggressive. That's how he's always been. And they score there and then they're able to kick the field goal uh, to win it. So like you, you listen to Doug Peterson, you talk to Doug Peterson, you don't think this is like an anal- analytically driven coach. His game management has been really outstanding throughout the course of his career. And he always errs on the side uh, yeah. of aggressiveness, which makes it really fun if you're a fan uh, of a team that he coaches. So that second half performance in terms of EPA per drive, Ben, best offensive performance in the second half of a playoff game in the last 20 years. I mean, four, they had no margin for error there offensively, yeah. four touchdowns and a field goal. And here, want to know what's like bananas? I watched that film today, that offensive film. They ran the same stuff. They Nash. said they, 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 they circled yeah. the wagons <laughs> in the locker room and they said, okay, when we give them this, they're going to give you that. And when you we, when we motion this guy, they're trying to you know they they see the short motion. And they're going to take this away and they're going to play off on number two. So when when we you know run this concept, usually we go first read here, second read there. Now we're going to change it because they're giving us this. And they just 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 sat down and said, tweak this, tweak that, and don't throw any more picks. Just they 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 behaved like late like early 2010s Brady McDaniel's Belichick, uh, like down 20. They were like, yeah, we execute. We're just going to walk out and run our stuff. Just zero panic from a second-year quarterback in his first career start playing with like all new receivers against a, a team that absolutely had them on the ropes. Shocking poise. And, and I was so extremely impressed at the time and then afterwards after the win with Peterson's half uh, halftime interview, right? Where, where they I was just going to say that. When you were describing that, I go, you could tell that from the halftime interview, but go ahead. They, they stop him running into the locker room and you're just like, wondering, what's this guy going to be like? Like, is it resignation, frustration, you know, like a, a shrug of like, oh, unlucky four picks. Like, what do you do? And Peterson like takes the question, like, you know, like, what do you tell your guys? And he's like, we're just going to keep chipping. He said, we're just going to keep chipping away. This is like what we do. You know what I'm saying? We're going like, to, we're, he said that exact phrase, that we're going to keep chipping away. We're just going to keep on like going. Like we've been down before. We've been losing games before. We've been losing games at home before. We've been down on the season before. We're just going to keep chipping away. Like, we're we're going to just completely level, not frustrated. Not despairing, not Ra Ra Sisfumba, not here comes the movie moment. Just this is what we do. And so I'm writing the gamer, right? I'm writing the, the post-game blog after that that comeback. And I see, okay, Peterson chipping away. And I go to search for things that he said previously throughout the season. Like they're they're three and seven, you know, they're losing the division, whatever. Cowboys game, they're down multiple scores. They come back and they win the game. Peterson gives a post-game quote. You know what he says? He said, I told the guys we're just gonna keep chipping away. We're down multiple scores. We've had some turnovers. We, we, we know we're good. We, you know, we, we know that we can handle this. We're just going to keep chipping away. It's the same messaging. 
it's the fact that they were three and seven, and Peterson told them they they said this on the Titans game in Week 18 when they won the division. He told them at three and seven, they're like, yeah, we have a shot to win this division. The Titans at the time were like seven and one or something. Like, yeah, we we have a chance to win this division. We just got to keep on keep on chipping away. There's just it, it's it's the just regular, plain, unassuming, not bloated, not inflated confidence to say. I've coached football before. I've won a Super Bowl before. I know what a good team looks like. We're it. Let's go win some games. This is how we this is how we play. And if we throw four picks in the first half, we're gonna walk out in the second half, throw three touchdowns and win it. Anybody have any questions? It's yeah. They with when they hired Urban Meyer, they tried to hire a championship coach, and instead they got what a championship coach looks like. They got what a championship coach behaves like. They got the the caricature, right? The the, the drawn out, you know, facsimile of a, a championship coach. That was terrible. They fired him, and then Doug Peterson, they hired the actual real thing. They hired the authentic thing. That is a championship coach. Maybe not this year, but yeah, they got the right guy. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that, that's very well, well said, that comparison with Meyer and Peterson. In that halftime interview, same thing struck me. It was like, yeah, we got one ball uh, tipped there. It wasn't like we're getting just outplayed in every aspect of this. I, when he was the Eagles coach, I remember I did a story where I interviewed all the assistants and said, what is you know Doug Peterson's best quality? And those can be, you know, you're like, all right, they're going to say something nice. But they all said the same thing. And it's what you kind of spoke to that Monday morning, he comes in and you don't know if we won or lost on Sunday. He's the same guy. Players like like that players know like mm-hmm. that they know what to expect every team meeting every week right. it's not going to be too high uh, or too low there and so i think that's that that really helped them you know who he got that from the guy on the other sideline it's andy it's yeah, ju- this it's, weekend it's, yeah right it, it's andy it's just never as good as you are and it's never yeah. as good as you think and never as bad as you think yeah and you we can say that but are. can you live it yeah and, and so i think yeah. uh he had he has done that so. i forgot this is doug like uh, going up against Andy, right? Old, old, uh, who's the OC there? This is a, yeah. I like I said, I think I, when I said Jags Chiefs get a little big brother, little brothery, I didn't, I don't think the Jags will get like colossally blown out. I just think they'll get a little bit outgunned. That being said, like the reason I get concerned about the Jags is because the Jags have now won the Super Bowl in back to back weeks, right? They beat yeah. the Titans for the division and then they had 20 point comeback as the Chargers. At some point, you stop winning the Super Bowl a little bit, you know? Yeah. So that's the, they, there's, there's a little bit borrowed time and that's a tough thing to, to buy against the Chiefs team coming off of, off of the bye week. Um, but yeah, it was cool. To, it was cool to see the Jags win that game. Jags are, Jags are building it right. The Jags and the Lions, man, they're building it right. Fun, fun matchups for the uh, for the divisional round. I'm glad the results turned out the way they did because I think we have four really good games. All right. That will do it. Thank you to everyone for listening. I guess this will be the last time we're like ending a recording around 1 a.m. Eastern time. No more Monday night football games. So the show will continue. But next week, we'll be talking about uh, the championship round. It'll be down to four games at that time. All right. Thank you to Christopher Sutton for producing additional production supervision by Connor Nevins and Arjuna Ramgopal. Nora will have the island next on this feed. I'll be back Thursday with the scramble. Ben will be back with Danny Heifetz and Stephen Ruiz Friday to preview this weekend's game. Have a great week, everybody, and we will talk to you next Monday on Extra Point Takeover.